Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 134 of Two Goalies, One Mike. As always, joined by my co-host, Connor Hurley, and special guest today, Steve Linkowski, better known to everybody else as the YouTube sensation, The Urinating Tree. Uh, Steve, thanks for hopping on with us, bud. I know it's your second time on, but a different co-host with me this time around. Definitely. Thank you for having me on again, brother. But, um, Hurls, it's, uh, we missed last week. You were out, I forget what you were doing, some, 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 some type of vehicle issue, but uh, how has your week been, bud? Some good fix my car issues, and we uh, we finally got some hockey news after it feels like I think like a yes. month of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Carlson got traded, so yeah. yep. thankfully we're back and ready to talk about it. Let's do. We this. are back, and um, that's why the biggest reason why I wanted to bring Steve on. Uh, big up Pittsburgh fan, Steelers, Penguins, you know, uh, Pirates. We were talking pre-show about it, but um, you know, I. I I have a lot of questions for you, Steve, and we t- we touched on it a little bit before the show. I'll try to save most of it for tonight, tonight, but does this move the needle for the Pittsburgh Penguins? And if so, how much? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. And there are a couple things for that. I get why they did it, mostly because Kyle Dubas is marching orders from people above him, go push for another cup. And if you want to make a big move to push for a cup, you bring in the Norris Content Trophy winning defenseman. I mean, can't go much further than that. My issue is, can he stay healthy? This is the first time he's played 82 games last year. That was my main concern about San Jose giving him that huge contract to begin with because he hadn't been healthy the last two seasons. And then he had issues a couple years before that as well. Then kind of bounced back into form in 22, but got injured again long-term. So that's going to be the concern there. Secondly, I think there's a – there are some holes in the Penguins roster. You have an aging forward core. You did bring in a bunch of guys in their 30s, like Lars Eller, Nola Chari, yep. um, Matt Nieto, uh, Riley Smith. Like, I don't think they're bad signings, but it's just like the team in general. They, you're, you have the oldest team in hockey. Yep. At least and- from last year. And then you have holes in defense. You have question marks now because Eric Carlson's not exactly known for his defensive prowess. And do you have the defensive likes – insulation 
to with him and Latang because I doubt you're going to have them on the same pairing. So you're going to have probably Marcus Patterson on one, probably Patterson with Carlson, and then Ryan Graves with um with Latang because Ryan Graves, I don't, he's more of a two way I would say than a, a typical defensive defenseman. So that's the transition you're going to get into there. And mainly your goaltending is a huge wild card. You did yes. bring back Tristan Jari. He has a five-year deal. And then your backup is Alex Nedeljkovich. So Casey DeSmith was involved in that trade. I, I figured he would be involved because I'm guessing they figured Nedeljkovich would be the 1A1B. And they have high upside. But the problem is they don't really tap into that upside all that often. Nedeljkovich had flashes of brilliance in his career. But the problem is there would be times where he give up like five goals on nine shots. That's just yeah. how Nedeljkovich works. So that's my concern with the Carlson trade. The one thing I will say is Kyle Dubas got rid of pretty much nearly every single screw up that Ron Hextall made in a year's time. Like Granlund's gone, Ruda's gone, uh, Jeff Petrie's gone. I kept forgetting that Petrie and Ruda were on the roster. Like it was that bad. Yeah. Because it was just like they were just there. Like Petrie is a solid defender. It just like – they wanted him to be something else, and then he just wasn't it. Because, I mean, he was a guy in his mid-30s. And then, I mean, there are some things that are still there. I mean, Jeff Carter's contract's buyout proof. He's going nowhere. Yeah, Brian Russ has a no-movement clause. He's going nowhere. But I think the thing is, too, it's that the first-round pick they gave up, too, is also protected, which my question is, why did San Jose retain that little cap and take on three Albatross contracts? I know. I mean – what, what was the term left on those deals? That could have been a part uh, of it, too, it I was, guess. Like, uh, Penguins are going to be paying $10 million for the next four years. Okay. Whereas San Jose was paying him, what was it, 11 and 11 a half? 11 and a half. So. You pay $1.5 million, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. you figured you'd get more in return than Mike Hoffman, who is a bad contract. Jan Ruda, who is a contract you want to get rid of. Mikel Granlin has a bad contract. I mean, yeah. they, I'm surprised the Pens were able to get rid of him without buying him out. And a top 10 protected first round pick in 24. And if it's top 10, it moves to unprotected in 25. Okay. Harold, your thoughts? My question is, what does the first power play unit look like? <laughs> oh, is- do do yeah. you take do you take Chris Letang off of it and replace him with Eric Carlson? Or do you go 2D with Carlson and Latang? You go Malkin, Gensel, Crosby up front? Or I'm seeing one projection online that has Ricard Raquel up there with Carlson and Malkin in, in the back, or Carlson is the is the quarterback, and then uh, Latang on power play unit two. What do you think they're going to do there? I think they're going to split up Latang and uh, Carlson mostly because Evgeny Malkin has always been the point shot, especially on the left hand, uh, the right hand side of the defense. That's where Malkin usually makes his hay, especially with that heavy slap shot. So I don't think Latang and Carlson are going to be together because I think they both fit that same mold, sort of a power play quarterback style. So yeah, I'm thinking partially maybe because of familiarity with Crosby, Malkin, Raquel, and and. Uh, maybe rust because Gensel's going to be out for a few months because of an ankle injury. Uh, So I think they might still be together. And then Carlson might be manning a new unit with I'm, I mean, Riley Smith, you still have as well. So he could probably rock on power play one. You still have Gensel when he comes back, you still have a couple million in cap space. You could bring in say a a Patrick Kane or a Tomas Tatar. But I mean, 
I don't know if you really need them because Gensel will be coming back. You could probably think about getting younger there as well. Then maybe roll. I'm trying to think who would probably be like a shot. I mean, Jeff Carter, you might roll in power play, just have him in the main office space because his main issue is just like a lack of speed. Because as long as he can get in positionally, I think he'll be okay, at least for this next year. We'll see how it goes from there. But I'm trying to think because, like, I mean, you're going to have a lot of fun with this roster. My question is, can it stay healthy? Well, here's my next suggestion, too, is do you think the Penguins are done? I don't think so. Uh, You had mentioned earlier they have a couple million left in cap space. Jake Gensel's injured. They may think about replacing him. And here, here's my we, – we talked about – I've tweeted about it. You know, if they really want to make a huge push on this – because let's be the Metropolitan Division, in net, it's very, very strong. You have two mm-hmm. of the best in the game in Shosturskin and Sorokin. Like, you know, you're not going to score a lot against those two guys. You're just not. Um, so, do you can you find an answer for that? Could it be Connor Hellebuck? You know, it'd be a one-year rental. It just would be. Because I don't think you're paying him nine million dollars a year after after no. next season, unless you find a way to offset like some salary. Because yeah. I know Gensel still has to be signed; he has one year left on his deal. Or, or since they're already the oldest team in the National Hockey League, Patrick Kane. <laughs> I mean, you imagine those two power play units with Patrick Kane. With I mean, Patrick it'd be Kane. weird to see Patrick Kane in a Penguins uniform, though. So weird. Man, I mean, man. the only thing that'd be weirder would be seeing Alex Ovechkin ripping howitzers from the left hand side. Oh my god! Team. Like, but it, honestly, I think you really. We all hear the rumors about um, uh, about you know Patrick Kane. Is he coming home to Buffalo? Could he be? Possibly. Who knows? Uh, he maybe he ends up going back to Chicago. You know, there's there's surrounding Bedard with veterans there. I mean, that is a possibility, but. If Pittsburgh really is taking one last run at this, just, just imagine, just imagine Patrick Kane on Sidney Crosby's wing, like, like, mind blowing, man. One of the, 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 I don't even think it's arguable at all. The greatest American-born goal scorer that ever lived on Patrick Kane's wing. I don't care how old they are. That power play unit in short in, in small ice situations is going to be insane. As strange as it sounds, Sidney Crosby's always worked best with like. Guys that aren't exactly the most talented. Like his best wingmates for a long time were Chris Kunitz, really solid two-way forward, wasn't exactly the most skilled, but he knew how to do the little things and get in space. Pascal Dupuis was another one, more of a grinder type, do the little things, get in space. Crosby is more like a grinder on steroids. He's not a traditional top six forward. So my question is, would he mesh with a play like a, a sniper like a Patrick Kane? Because I feel like Gensel kind of felt that mold, but he's more of a two-way. Kane quite has question marks in the defensive zone, and I don't know if Crosby plays more of a three-zone game instead of like a pure offensive and neutral. Your thoughts, Earls? Um, I guess getting back to the goaltending for a second, I know there are question marks with Tristan Jerry. Like, what is your confidence level in him? I mean, when you have Nadelkovich as the backup, you got to imagine he's going to play at least – 50, 55 games. I've seen some underlying analytics on Jerry that he's actually an above average starter when you really get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, Obviously he's had some issues here and there. And obviously Casey DeSmith has been a pretty good backup and now he's gone. Like what is your confidence level in him being that bell cow um, to eventually hopefully get this team to an Easter conference final and maybe get to a Stanley cup final after that. 
it's not super high. I maybe maybe like a four at best for three different reasons. One, consistency. As you said, he's shown flashes of sheer brilliance. He can dominate for weeks at a time and then just lay duds. Secondly, he's never performed in the playoffs. I mean, 2021 against the Islanders, games five and six, he just imploded. And that's where the lack of confidence comes from from a lot of Pens fans in regards to Jari. I think with why they signed him long-term, he was the only goalie left. I mean, I think they tried for probably Corpusalo, Freddie Anderson, a few other guys too. I mean, mentioned probably with, you know, Carter Hart, Hallibuck, John Gibson. But the price is going to be too high. They don't have the futures. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a big concern for the Penguins moving forward, potentially. You mentioned and, Gibson. Uh, and just, third is is durability. Like he's been injured for a decent chunk of time. So you mentioned Gibson. I know he's the hometown kid. Um, was there a large rallying cry from the Penguins fan base to potentially try to make a move for him? Um, I, I mean, same type of thing. Like he, especially with the Ducks, these past few years, horrible defensive system. But I think he had a he had a game this past season where he had like sixty five saves. Can still stand on his head. Obviously, a lot of talent. Was that um, was that called for throughout the fan base? Uh, not really. I know like there were kind of some grumblings, but for the most part, it was just trying to figure out what Dubas was going to do with the roster. I mean, the big decision was, okay, who's going to be a net? Because like, we thought Jari was gone. We thought it's like, okay, they're going to let him go. You're the only one. A lot of people thought Jari was going to be gone. I think Jari like, probably, probably thought he was gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he came back. I was just like, eh. like it was just like it wasn't like a excited like that he's resigned. It's like eh. it's kind of there because once again, it's the durability, the consistency issues. Yep. Plus, it was a relatively larger contract, a five by five, or a little over five million per year, if I remember correctly. But the question is, I know you were mentioning about Connor Hellbuck for a year. I Maybe if they had the futures to do it and if they didn't sign Jari long-term. That's true. I mean, would you be in favor of them sending Jari? I mean, I don't know how much contract you'd have to eat or if it's even possible. I mean, it's probably a bad look, but in a trade there, sending Jari to Winnipeg. I think it would be a bad look. I think it would I think just give free agents too, but... a bad idea. I think like you do a bait and switch on Jari. Like, why did you sign him? You told yeah. every potential free agent that we yeah. could screw you over in a couple months. I don't think that's right. No, no. And the I, Penguins I, don't work that way. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I mean, as a Sabres fan, I mean, glad they're not in my division. Because again, that power play unit's going to be so, one of the most lethal in the league. I don't care how mm-hmm. old they are, but when I look at, again, as we st- start to kick the show off, it's, you know, how old's Crosby? How old's Malkin? I think Latang's 36. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think Carlson might be the youngest out of all of them. Crosby's going to be 36. Malkin, I think, yeah. is 37. And then yeah. Latang's going to be 36. They were drafted the same year, uh, Crosby and Latang. Yeah. And I mean, then I think- Carlson, I think, is 34, 32, 33. I yeah, believe. he's 33. And he has very a lot of mileage, injury yep. concerns, durability. So it might be a little older than 32. Yeah. I mean, what would the expectation do you th- would you say uh, for a full season of Carlson, just like last year, on this Pets- on this Pittsburgh team, what would your expectations for him be? Would you expect him to match last year? Or, I mean, would you be happy with 80-plus points? I would say at least a point per game. That's probably what they're looking for, especially from a Carlson. Yeah. They're looking for um from the offensive zone. They're looking for at least 20 goals. They're looking for somebody who's going to be a catalyst and somebody who's going to drop his ass in excitement. Because I think partially part of this was to generate buzz in the fan base and to get butts in the seats. Plus, 
to get back to the playoffs, which, I mean, missing last year was a catastrophic failure. Any way you look at it, especially for a team that brought everyone back, that did everything they could to stretch out contracts, limit the AAV, and, you know, go in on, like, this last ride and it just falls flat. And I think that's the goal, especially from the higher-ups. Like, they tell Kyle Dubas, okay, we need you to get us back to the playoffs, go on a deep playoff run. And this is what they promised Crosby, Malkin, and Latang when they brought them back. And they're going to do whatever they can to do it. And unfortunately, we're going to be screwed in three years. But knowing how the Penguins are, we are probably going to luck into two or three generational talents because this yep. is how this rolls in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then obviously, uh, I just, we go back to the Metropolitan Division. I mean, having to play those goaltenders as many times you're going to have to this season, you know, where do you see them? I mean, the Rangers don't scare me. Even with Shosturski, they just don't scare me. They they have stayed so much invested in a lot of their youth. Lafreniere has not panned out. Kako has not panned out. Pat, I mean, they mortgaged a lot at the deadline to really go for it. Didn't work out. I mean, Keandre Miller's great. Fox is great. Shosturski, possibly the best goaltender in the league. But they just don't scare me. I mean, the Islanders... They play that, you know, new age devils defensive style hockey. They don't scare me. I genuinely think the Penguins could vile, you know, win this division. I I think they at least make the playoffs. I would argue New Jersey has a really good chance. Oh, to I'm, sorry, really, I'm sorry, too. New Jersey. Yes, I don't like know. New why. Jersey. I mean, if the Kira Schmidt plays the way he did in the playoffs against the Rangers and really came into form, I think they have a really nice goalie tandem with him and Vitek Vanacek. Plus, they brought in a few more pieces. They have Luke Hughes coming into the system as well. And, I mean, let's be honest. I think, like, their upside is immense, especially if they can keep it up. They did get Tyler Toffoli, too. Throw me in the box. I can't believe I forgot about the Devils when I was – It's all right, man. It's cool. (laughs) Even even after all of this, like, the Penguins, like, just making the playoffs, like, as a wild card team, would that be a disappointment? Right. I may be, but I think at the same time, I think they want to get back to the playoffs. So right. as as we've seen over the past couple of years, especially with Florida, all you have to do is make it. You go on it like you find form. You can go far. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. I uh, it, it, like, I don't know. I just, I just, I look at the Penguins and if they can just get a little bit better in net and adding a guy like Carlson on that blue line. And I still think, like we said, I don't think Dubas is done. I think he adds one more either. I don't think it happens in that. I really don't. But I do think he adds one more weapon offensively. I think he has to. And puts. I think he puts his I – I do think they make the playoffs. I just do. I, I think it's too much experience, too much talent. Um, if you can't if you can't beat him in net, you know, score as much as you possibly can. And I think that's the, I think that's probably the game plan here is like you're, you're not going to – you're not, I'm not saying you're not going to keep the puck out of your net more than the other the other teams in this division, but do everything you can to put the puck in the net. And, I mean, Crosby, for his age, is still going to get you 80-plus points a season. I still think the same about Malkin playing a full, full season, Carlson a full season. I mean, you, I think that – I think this team has what it takes to definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, the, I'm looking at the free agent list right now. I mean – the only one left that's really a big free agent right now, you know, Patrick Kane, Tomas Tatar, Krejci, if he goes anywhere, it's either Boston or back to the Czech Republic. Yeah. I don't think he's coming to Pittsburgh, especially not with that center depth. Phil Kessel 
he's unfortunately on the downswing and he's more of a like a top six option. It's not that yeah. what they're really looking for. Um, Taves, I think he's gone. Stalsy, I think he's you know more a bottom six option. And you already have Lars Eller and Nola Chari, so you're set there. Uh, so I think more or less it just depends on if Tomas Chatar is willing to take a two and a half million dollar prove it deal and wait for the cap to go up next year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of players are doing that too. You've seen a lot mm-hmm. of it in free agency. A lot of one-year deal. So, um, and then uh, transitioning out of that, uh, obviously, you know, me and you, we first, you know, met each other. Obviously, I was familiar with your channel beforehand. Was because of the mm-hmm. rant. Was it three mm-hmm. years ago now? Sabers have come a long way. Yes. Since that phone call, so I, I definitely want to pick your brain on that. How do, what do you think about the position and position of this team? Should playoffs be an absolute, you know, ha, like ha, I won't say it has to happen, but should everybody be expecting playoffs this season out of the Buffalo Sabers? And are they the most exciting team to watch right now in hockey? The Sabers are very intriguing. I think they're one of the more interesting and intriguing scenarios in hockey today. You have so much youth coming into the system. You have goaltending that's really coming into its own. You have UPL that could still be something. You have Devon Levi, who has more or less t- was like a beast in those moments. He really came into his own. He could be your franchise guy. So yeah. I think you have that settled. You're trying to fix the back end of your defense, like Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton. They're more there for veteran influence. Guys, you know, help out Matias Samuelson. Jacob Bryson, guys like you know um, Owen Power, Rasmus Dalin, and I think Dalin did get extended long term, if I remember correctly. No, not me. yet. We're still oh, late. I thought he did. My bad. I know they were looking it at was, him. It was we're reported by again. one of the local guys that it was happening on July first, mm-hmm. and that that's, it hasn't that's happened yet. And we're sitting here patiently waiting. I, I, I'd have to believe it's going to be him and Owen Power both possibly signing on the same day. Because I know, I know, Kevin Adams has talked extensively about getting them, getting him done long term as well, and by long term, an eight year deal. Oh yeah, I mean, either that or it's going to be a bridge, and he's going to have to pay the big bucks because yeah. you have to keep them both under ten million. And I mean, could can you do it? Possibly, but yeah. with Dalene, I think you're going to have to go ten and over just because yeah. of how he emerged this past season. And in terms of your forward core, I mean. Take your pick. You've got so much in Rochester, too. Yuri Kulich, um, Isaac Rosen. You have, um, I think, a few other guys I'm unfortunately forgetting the names of, too. Uh, Jack Matthew Quinn. Savoy. Yeah, Matthew Savoy. Uh, Middlestad is still kind of coming into his own. Um, you have other guys, too. But, like, it's just, yeah. I mean, you can dream. And that's the first time you could say that about Buffalo in a very long time. Um, you mentioned Darlene. Uh, I think it's really interesting with the Carlson discussion, obviously fellow countrymen uh, from Sweden, but like, do you, do you feel Dallin ceiling is Eric Carlson or could he potentially even surpass that given how young he is and how he already has five years in the NHL under his belt? Like, Mm -hmm. could he he surpass what Eric Carlson has already done? I don't know about offensively, but defensively, it seems like he's better in his own zone than Carlson. So I think at least in that regard, I think he could be a more well-rounded Carlson. I don't know if he could be him offensively because Eric Carlson is generational in terms of his offensive vision, especially on the back end. But in terms of what they are, I think they both have different strengths. And in terms of like, uh, like Carlson's more offensive heavy, 
in terms of his analytics. Dalene is a little better defensively. And that can improve over time. Defensively, you can always change up. It's not relying on pure instincts and skill like an offensive game. Yeah. And I, and obviously, too, is like we kind of lost – let's say we lost a year of Darlene under Ralph Kruger. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, you know, though. You know, we I think you lost a lot of years. Yeah, we lost a year Kruger. of Jeff Skinner. We lost a year yeah. of Darlene. We <laughs> lost a year of the team. Jeff Skinner, Jeff Skinner on the fourth line after scoring 40 goals. It was great. <laughs> it was It was wild. And paying him $9 million to play. Yeah, I mean, that was looking like a terrible deal at first sight. Yeah. I was like, dear God. You had like 18 goals and then you had like nine. Yeah. I I don't even think he had nine that year in a Ralph Kruger. I think it was less than that. It was bad. I remember remember, uh, during one of his Zoom calls, somebody asked Kruger, you know, know, if he felt happy for Skinner finally, you know, getting, getting a goal. And he made a comment. He goes, well, yeah. I mean, if you're a guy who, you know, you know, values you know values his career off of scoring goals, and sure, you know, he tried turning, huh. into, you know, he tried turning the entire team into something it wasn't, and he took the best qualities of his players and handcuffed them. Like he neutered Darlene, he tried to make him something he wasn't. You know, he tried to make him shut down, like you know, Chris Chalio's type defenseman. You know, who's just going to be, be a defense first type of guy. And that's not what he is. He's not that player. He's not that player. Same thing with Jeff Skinner. He tried to put make him into a defensively minded hockey player. Sorry, that's not Jeff Skinner. Yeah, Jeff He's Skinner's Skinner. not a defensively minded hockey player. No, we never have goals. And we, I feel like we lost a year of Darlene, you know, and get under uh, Granado, a guy who really gets the best out of out of those qualities of his players. You know, best case in point is Tage Thompson. Oh, yeah, easy unicorn, a pure unicorn. And and you at least salvaged the Ryan O'Reilly trade because that was looked at as terrible for a long time. I was like, oh, Tage Thompson, you know, he's just, he's struggling. He's going to be in Europe in a couple years. And then suddenly he's scoring goals like there's no tomorrow. It's like, where did this come from? Right. And it's, and again, I, I always, and I said it too back when he was on the wing. I was just like, you know what, man? He is the perfect size. He's like, if he was a center, like teams would drool over that case. I, I always saw him as a winger. That's what he always played. Uh, I, I, but I didn't realize, you know, growing up, even in the development program, uh, USNTDB, he was a center. And they were, you know, putting him in a situation where he had to play more on the walls rather than not having so much open ice available to him. Mm-hmm. And moving him moving him to the middle, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. And then Darlene, I mean, he pretty much took the leash off and said, go, kid, just go. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had it not been for injury, I think he would have been right up there in, in, in Norris Trophy voting with Carlson. His time will come, especially oh, with how he's been progressing. I think he'll at least get a nomination this year if things go to plan. Oh, for sure. And I think I think the one, one player we definitely need to talk about, too, uh, outside of Tage and outside of uh, of Darlene, Dylan Cousins, man. I'm expecting big things out of him this season. He's had some good progression as well. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's so much forward depth. You keep forgetting a couple guys here and there because yeah. you just have so much in the system that has promise. Yeah, and and I, I think, I, I mean, you already have your top six centers already secure. I mean, you have Thompson, Cousins. I mean, you got rolled Jack Quinn on the wings along with um, Victor Olofsson. I mean, you could use him as excess goods if things go to plan with Rose and Coolidge and maybe uh, Matthew Savoy as well. So. Uh, there are a lot of different things you can do with this team. And as I said, like this is the first time I've seen legitimate hope out of Sabres fans in a very long time. 
Yep. Like there was some with like, you know, when Jack Eichel came in, some when a couple on a new coach came in or something like that when uh, Pagula became the owner, but nothing like this. Like there's now it's just like pure upside. You have a system in place that's finally starting to develop. Yep. And you also have a chance to really make a claim for yourself in a brutal Atlantic because it's wide open. Florida's dealing with a lot of injuries. Toronto's going through flux. They might be self-destructing because – they had their power play maneuver with Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, Boston, I mean, they're on the downswing. They're coming off a brutal playoff loss. Bergeron's retiring. Tampa Bay is could be going on the downswing. And you don't know what's going to happen with Ottawa, Detroit, and Montreal. They're still in flux as well. So this could be your time. The eyes things go plan. to plan. The Iser plan hasn't really worked up until this point, that's for sure. It's it's a mixed bag. Like they, they're a bunch of weird moves. Like you're throwing money at Justin Hole and Ben Sherratt. Yeah. And but you make a great move for uh, buy low candidate and Alex DeBrinkett. So it's 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 weird. Yep. It's definitely not. It's not working out as well as it did in Tampa. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Tampa also had a great development system, a good owner and scouting staff as well. Yep. yep. And and Casey Middlestat, who you mentioned his name earlier. Uh, he's a guy that this time last year we all wanted gone in Buffalo. And mm-hmm. again, a full season of health. He put on size, which was always my biggest issue with him, is I've always felt that he just wasn't pl- you know, he wasn't putting the work in the offseason to be stronger on the puck and stay healthy. Because that it, one thing one thing plays into the other, right? Like you need to be strong on the puck out there, you need to be strong a, a strong body player out there in order to stay healthy. And he's always injured. Um yep. And this season, I think we got close to a 60-point year out of him. Mm-hmm. And I would expect more out of him next season. And he looks like he's in the long-term plans for Buffalo. Um, and then Devin Levi. I mean, we haven't even really touched on him yet. Uh, guy, the, the amount of expectation and pressure I think the fan base is going to put on that kid is going to be yeah. immense. But in the most important stretch of hockey – the Sabres played last season. He got six starts in a row. And he was looking really good, too. Yes. So, Harold, your thoughts, bud? So, I was going to say, the, the biggest question, obviously, is goaltending. Uh, similar mm-hmm. to the Penguins, same same as the Sabres. Um, we've talked a lot on, on this podcast before about what our expectation for Levi is. Like, how many games do you think we should reasonably expect him to start? I'm more closer to the 40 range especially given that it's his first year. Um, you have UPL and Comrie. Who knows how they're going to split that up. You obviously don't want to carry three goalies again. Should we feel comfortable with the combination of Devin Levi and UPL? Obviously, two young guys. UPL has been very inconsistent, but he's also shown flashes uh, that made him such a touted prospect. Like, it's a very unconvincing goalie situation at this point, given that you haven't seen too much from these young guys. Like how should we feel about that going into this? It's very high risk, high reward. Uh, I mean, you have the upside former first round pick in UPL, not first round pick, but uh, top prospect in UPL. And then you also have Devon Levi who came into his own. I mean, limited game experience is going to be an issue. I know you do have Eric Comrie, but he's more cup of coffee journeyman type. Craig Anderson was, you know, great story, but unfortunately 41, it's the end of his rope, unfortunately. But in terms of what they could be, they've shown flashes. Levi had a really great stretch, especially in March when he came into the league. UPL, I mean, he's still developing on his own right. And I feel like you could still go maybe 50 for Levi and then 30 or like maybe 25, 30 
for UPL, depending on how they play. I feel like you just play the hot hand. I think that's yeah. the best way to deal with that situation. I put him probably around 50 or more. I, I think that they showed last year with him that they have a ton of, ton of faith in him. I mean, and it, the thing with you know, that up until that point, I think you only saw two, uh, uh, maybe a small handful of times in the season where you saw the same goalie start two or three games in a row. It just never happened. Mm-hmm. Not, they, 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 there was just, it was just a constant carousel, which I also attribute that to the UPL struggles because it's like me and I think me and Hurls both have agreed on this podcast before that a lot of his issues are up here. It's not an athletic thing. The kid is crazy athletic. Uh, you know, you know, the, the skill is there. He has shown it. It's just up here. And any goalie knows that when you're not consistently in that starters net, it's tough because you deal with the pressures. You have a 40, 40, 41 year old Anderson, a guy who is there to be a guy, but at the same time, he was getting a ton of starts too. He was getting called upon in, in important games. And you have Eric Comrie in there. Granted, he was hurt a lot last season, but he's in he's in the rotation too. So you're in a three goalie rotation for most of the season. And then add Devin Levi. Now you're in a four goalie rotation. And it's like, you know, I, I get it. As a goalie, it, it's tough to be in that type of a situation and not consistently getting the shots in practice that you want, in warmups that you want, and obviously getting the consistency as a starter as you want. So I think that dumbing this, not dumbing this down, but getting this down just to two goaltenders as being your 1A, 1B, it will help UPL in the long run. I don't foresee him as a long-term answer. I think that, you know, granted, maybe even after this contract, maybe he gets an opportunity somewhere else. But I think this year you're going to see a much better, more consistent UPL. But I think if, I, if, I'm, if I'm Kevin Adams, you know, or, or not Kevin Adams, if I'm Don Granato, I'm putting Devin Levy out there for probably around 50 games. That sounds about fair, especially for a young goalie. You don't want to burn him out because he's not at the load of like, say, uh, Marc-Andre Fleur in his prime or a hell of a book where you're throwing him 65, 70 games. Like, go, just go. I think those days are almost over with, too. Pretty much. I think they realize that they're going to burn goalies out if you play them that much. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Fleury, um, I see a lot of Fleury and Devin, Devin Levi, a young Marc-Andre Fleury in terms of the athleticism, in terms of the height. Um, given how much you – I don't know how much you've watched of Levi, but from what you've seen, do you see that comparison at all? And what do you think he could be as an NHL goalie? Because a guy his size isn't really considered that often anymore. Six foot, like maybe even a little bit under. Obviously, UC Saros is the example that you see now of a guy who's in that upper echelon of goalies for being a little bit shorter. Like, do you see those Marc-Andre Fleury comparisons? What do you think he could be in the NHL as he continues to develop? I haven't seen enough of Devon Levi to really get that sort of comparison, unfortunately, but I think his upside is franchise caliber goalie. If he becomes Yusei Soros, you're jumping for joy. You have a Vezina nominee oh, yeah. right there. That's and the cool. fact that Yusei Soros wasn't nominated for a Vezina last year is a travesty, but that's at least to me. Um, I would say, I mean, it, you said it right there. I think like more of your upside is Yusei Soros, especially with that size. For sure. Agreed. And, um, in terms of the Vezina vote, I mean, there's uh, a good handful of goalies out there that, I mean, you had, I mean, how does Olmark not win it? <laughs> like with, yeah. the, with the season he had, you have Shterskin, you have Sorokin, Vasilevsky's always in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously again, UC Saros had a phenomenal year too. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pick a top three there out of, yeah. all, out of those goaltenders. But uh, Steve, I mean, outside of that, I mean, 
did you wear the Kansas City Chiefs shirt intentionally to piss us off? No, actually, oh, I did not. I, I just okay. wore it just in case. I, I totally did not think that through. <laughs> like, well, I was at the gym last night. I had a spare shirt. I was wondering, you said he was a Steelers fan. Don't worry. I was, City yeah, yeah, this what is a Boulevard Brewing shirt. Okay. <laughs> I, I just saw I've had it for a couple of years. In Kansas City. Big. I'm like, is this guy being a dick right no, now? No, 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 no. <laughs> I totally didn't put two and two together. No. What do you think about our bills this year, huh? The question is, uh, is you know, like last year, it, it kind of felt like you were going sideways. I mean, you brought in Von Miller. I don't know, wasn't super crazy about it, but the fact that you lost him, even though you brought him in for the playoff push, that hurt. Yeah. Struggling against Miami and uh, t- uh, Tristan Thompson, it felt like okay, oh, no, not Tristan, um, Skylar Thompson. But I um that felt like okay question mark and then Cincinnati was just felt like a punch in the gut, yeah. And now I would say the question is you have to answer some ask some hard questions like is the style you play going to be suitable because you're uh, like mostly relying on Josh Allen. You need yeah. a running game besides Josh Allen, and if you don't, I don't know how you get past the Kansas Cities of the world. I think I think the guy who's probably going to be under the most pressure outside of the coach is definitely the offensive coordinator because mm-hmm. the, the, there's no questioning. You can look at points scored all you want. I think in terms of, again, when you back style of offense, I think the offense absolutely took a step back last year. Yeah. so That's the so, question. I mean, Dorsey, everyone remembers him for just like slamming everything down yeah. on that final play. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as I said, it felt like you were going sideways last year instead of up. Mm-hmm. I say – if you play fantasy football, draft Dalton Kincaid. Draft yes. Dalton Kincaid, safety valve. Oh, yeah. You're probably going to be able to get him in the 12th round, maybe even later. A lot of guys don't know about him, but Sleeper everything draft, I've heard baby. out of camp, um, they're going to tailor the offense around him. 12 personnel, two tight end sets. Uh, he seems like he's going to be a slot guy, probably a starting slot receiver, even, even though he's a tight end. Uh, it seems like he's going to – Hopefully, the, the reason they moved up to draft him in the first round is for that. So, mm-hmm. as good as he's been in camp and as much as he's shown he's belong, it seems like he's definitely a sleeper to look at. So I can't, I can't wait to see him do his work 10 yards and into the end zone, man. That's going to well, be fun to watch. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be great. Fun to watch. How Maybe Kelsey is what we call him. How about your Steelers, bud? Uh, the question is, I feel like you could go a lot of different ways here. It depends more or less on Kenny Pickett's development. And I've heard mixed things about him in camp. Like sometimes that some people are saying he's having strides, some are having struggles. I saw a lot of him out of pit. So I saw like in that final year play, his first three years, he was very eh, uninspired, nothing crazy. Senior year, something just clicked. And that's why I was ecstatic to draft him because I feel like he could be something interesting in this league. And if you notice, like in the second half of his season, everyone keeps rambling on about his touchdown to interception ratio and the early picks. He limited his turnovers at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I think more of that has to do with Matt Canada's offense. He did a lot of had a lot of poise, confidence, game winning drives. That Cleveland game, he showed something that, like, okay, maybe he's starting to get the NFL game. I think he's at least reached his floor of being like an Alex Smith, a Ryan Tannehill type. You know, like, you know, somebody who manages the game, doesn't do anything stupid. Do I think he could be elite? I hope so. I mean, that'd be best case scenario, but he'll have to make that jump in order to get best case scenario. And to me, best case scenario, I think they could win the division. If Pickett makes his developments, offensive line comes into its own, everyone stays healthy. I think that could be the case. But I mean, realistically, probably nine, 10 wins, maybe a wild card spot. That would be my best bet. I can see it. I can definitely see it. 
but Steve, thanks always for coming on with us, man. Absolutely. Appreciate man. it. Hopefully we can have you on again sometime during the season. Definitely. We have like a better idea of how these teams are starting to look. And I'm excited to see your penguins, man. I really am. I'm, I, you know, I've always been a fan of Crosby and Malkin and to add a guy like Eric Carlson to that mix just makes it a little bit more exciting. And It'll be fun to see if they can really take one last stab at this. Uh, as, I, as I said, I never in my wildest dreams expected Eric Carlson on the Penguins. Because yeah. I'm just sitting there like, wow, really? We got Eric Carlson? Like, I love being some Eric Carlson. I just, I don't know how he's going to fit. That's the question. Yeah. Well, he'll definitely fit in on that power play, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Hurls, you got any final thoughts? Um, I guess one more question I had is, as we were talking about the expectations for both teams. Like, I think a wild card spot for the Sabres is what we're all hoping for, maybe mm-hmm. even second to third in, in the division at best. And you said yourself, maybe not third in, in, in the Atlanta, uh, in the Metro, but potentially a wild card spot. Yeah. What would a Sabres Penguins playoff series look like? Oh, um, how, number question. one, how entertaining, but number two, like how do you think that reasonably could go if that, if that matchup happens this upcoming playoffs? My thing with the Sabres is this could be the learning experience year. My reference point is the 07 Penguins. When they were the first time they were in the playoffs, like first year Malkin, second year Crosby, Jordan Stahl was a first year player as well. You had a bunch of younger players. Chris Letang was in his first year. So you had a bunch of different guys that were really getting their first taste of the playoffs. And they ran into a veteran Ottawa Senators team. They I lost in five. So I think that might be the the thing, but that's just the sort of thing that a young team needs to grow. And that's nothing against the Sabres. I think it's just how a team needs to really experience playoff hockey. That's at least how I see it. Those Ottawa Senators teams were so good too, man. Healy, Mm -hmm. Alperson, and Spezza in their primes. Yes. I mean, people talk about Spezza, Healy. Dude, Alfredson was such a big time Sabres killer. Like Chris he, Phillips. Oh, I mean, they had yep. Patrick Laleem, Ray Emery yep. in that lineup. Like they had some guns. People forget Hashik was on that team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, um, I remember. I'll always remember the 05-06 year as the the cup that should have been in Buffalo, and then but then we ran into Ottawa in the next year in the playoffs, and we lost them. I think mm-hmm. in five games, and then yeah, you know, yeah, it was it was tough, but. Um, again, Steve, thanks for hopping on with us, man. Uh, you know, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh, man. Um, I'm on YouTube on urinating tree, urinating underscore tree on Instagram and urinating tree on Twitter. So I'm looking to do sports ball starting in September for the NFL season. Awesome, man. And I definitely go check him out. His videos are absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm subscribed as well. So, uh, thanks again, Steve guys. It's been Episode 134 of Two Goalies, One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia and Boulevard. When you go in, tell them the boys from Two Goalies, One Mike sent you. They'll take care of you. I am Dwayne for Hurls. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. 
Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.